You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is John B. from GangreenNation.com welcoming you to the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday, March 11th, 2018, as we begin a new week and a very important week on the NFL calendar. And for the Jets, as free agency will get underway a little bit later in the week, Jets have a ton of cap space. They, in fact, at this point have the most cap space in the league because the Cleveland Browns were very active on Friday making trades for Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry, which takes those players off the table if they were ever on the table for the Jets, but also decreases the amount of cap space the Browns have. Now, of course, the Jets are not going to have the most cap space in the, in the league for very long, presumably, as they are likely to start signing players and use that cap space to try and improve the team because, of course, cap space is a means to an end. It's a means to improve your roster, to bring in good players. The legal tampering period in the NFL actually begins today, and the league, I think it was 2013, created this two-day window before the official start of free agency where teams are allowed to negotiate with players before they're officially on the market. And the rationale the league gave was that teams were doing this anyway. They were talking to players illegally before they were allowed to, so they put in this two-day period, which makes sense for about five seconds until you come to the realization that if teams were willing to talk to players illegally before the league, before this whole thing was put into place, they're probably still willing to talk to players illegally. They'll, they'll just start talking to players before the legal tampering period. So the brilliance of the NFL rears its head in this legal tampering period so teams can start negotiating with players today. So we may start hearing some news about players the Jets are interested in, players players they've reached out to, and perhaps offers that they've made. But to set the table, we are going to talk about needs that the Jets have. On Friday's show, we ended last week by talking about, by looking at each offensive position and determining what kind of need the Jets had there and how glaring the need was. And I broke it down by position both in the short, the immediate run and in the long run. And we talked about whether a position was a glaring need, a partial need, or not a need at all. So that's what we'll do again today. And you can break the def- you can break positions down any number of ways. I think the way we're going to do is we're going to talk about the defensive line as a position. We're going to talk, and by that I mean the big 300-pound type guys. Then we're going to talk edge rushers as a position. Edge rushers can technically be defensive linemen if they have their hand in the ground. Sometimes they're standing up, but those are guys who are coming on. They're not the interior types. They're the guys who are a little smaller whose job is to generate the pass rush. We'll talk about just off-ball linebackers. You know, you talk that we'll talk about is off-ball linebackers because an outside linebacker can be an edge rusher. He could be a pass rusher. He could be a guy who plays coverage depending on the player talking about so really the role is off-ball linebackers and then we'll move to the secondary we'll talk corners we'll talk safeties so we'll start with the with the defensive line and I think in the short run I'm going to go with a partial need but very partial and that's really only because the Jets cut Muhammad Wilkerson so they're going to have to find a replacement for him but I'd say of the needs the Jets have this is one of the least pronounced on the least pronounced on the roster in the short run the Jets have probably the best player on the team in Leonard Williams. 
uh, anchoring that defensive line position. And they also have Steve McClendon, who's a solid veteran. So they've got good players on the defensive line. They're going to have to add a guy to replace Wilkerson. It need not be a star-level guy. I mean, I'm sure they take one if they could get one at a reasonable price, but they just need a guy who's good there. And the other thing is, this is actually a position where the Jets have done a pretty good job coaching guys up, finding guys who can play reasonably well in part-time roles. Mike Pinnell's a guy who comes to mind for me. They picked him up very cheap last year, and he was he was a backup. He was a rotational guy, and I thought he played pretty well. Now, I think a lot of fans have a negative view on him because he took a couple of really bad penalties that hurt the team at various points during the season. There was one against Carolina, which was just a killer penalty. So that's really the time you notice a guy like that is when he makes a d- bad play. It was a bad play. It really hurt the Jets. But I think overall, I watched as I was watching the team, as I as I was watching Pinnell, I thought he played well. I thought he was a good part-time guy, a good rotational guy, and that matters. That matters from the standpoint that the Jets don't necessarily need to go out and get a big-time player to play put with Wilkerson and McClendon. In the long run, I'm also going to go partial need, and. It's a little more pronounced because McClendon's not that young, so he's got he's a guy, one of the anchors, who makes me feel good about the Jets heading into 2018, but he's a guy who's probably going to have to be replaced sooner rather than later. Again, though, this is not necessarily a position of major need. Now, I think a lot of Jets fans probably view it as a bigger need than it really is because the Jets are, because they're so used to having star power on the defensive line. The Jets fans have not had many nice things in recent years, but for the last five, six years, they've had a, they've known that this defensive line has been one of the major strengths of the team, that they were going to have big names, potential Pro Bowl players there, and now really all you have left is Leonard Williams. You used to have Muhammad Wilkerson went back when he was playing at a Pro Bowl level. You had Sheldon Richardson. You had Damon Harrison. You had guys who were star-level names, if not... if. Even if their production did not match it in a given year, you were hopeful that they'd produce at a star output. Sometimes it worked better than others. Now you don't really have that outside of Williams. McClendon's a nice player, but he's not a great player. He's not a game changer. So I think you know this is this is the weakest the defensive line has been in a while. This is the first time in a while you'd say that there actually is even a partial need on the defensive line. But if you look relative to the rest of the roster... It's not in bad shape. It's actually it's a core that's still pretty solid on paper. And again, the Jets have shown some ability to squeeze some production out of guys who are part-time players, guys who are relatively less expensive, less difficult to obtain, less heralded. So I still think they're in solid shape. They're going to have to tweak it a little bit, but it's not a huge glaring need there. Now let's move to the edge and let's talk edge rushers and... That is a spot where I think there's a glaring need, both in the short run and in the long run. What do they have there? They have Jordan Jenkins, and I like Jordan Jenkins. Now, Jordan Jenkins is not a big-time pass rusher, though, and this is a pass-rushing position. And here's what I'll say about Jenkins. is He looks like a guy who's going to set the edge well, play the run well, and I am not trying to disparage Jordan Jenkins in any way. He looks like a solid draft pick in the third round in 2016, there's value in a guy you can put in on the early downs who can help you against the run, even if you, an edge guy, even if he doesn't provide a ton of pass rushing value. 
Nothing wrong with that. He, he's a guy who can be part of the mix. But if you look at this group as a whole, you want multiple guys who can get to the quarterback. And yes, you can sprinkle in a guy in that group who doesn't get to the quarterback and plays the run well. He can be part of the rotation. He can be part of the mix. But you need multiple guys who can get to the quarterback because the edge is where pass rushers thrive. That's, that's where you build your pass rush. I don't care who you are. That's where you, you have to have guys who can get to the quarterback. And I think of the positions in the NFL, edge rusher is second only to quarterback in importance because an edge rusher makes the rest of the defense better. The corners don't have to cover as long. The defensive, the big interior linemen have to deal with less double teams if the opponent is focused on protecting their quarterback from an edge rusher, sending more double teams that way. It just changes everything. It transforms the defense if you have one guy. And if you have multiple guys, then you're talking about really building a defense that is something special. And the, the Jets just don't have that. The, the Jets have ma- made an effort. Mike McCagnan has spoken openly about his admiration for certain teams that draft an edge rusher every year, even if it's not in the first round, You know, even if it's day two, day three. And in all three of his drafts, he has picked an edge, an edge guy. None with an early pick. Jenkins was the earliest with third round 2016, and then the year before in 2015, Lorenzo Malden. His third draft, he picked Dylan Donahue a little bit later. Jenkins has, again, look, Jenkins looks like a solid guy against the run. Malden looks like a disappointment. Malden does not look like he's going to be much of a player for this team. He's probably going to get one last shot this year, but. He's not even a lock to make the roster. And Donahue, of course, is dealing with some off-field stuff. We'll see what you get out of him. But he probably profiles more as a career backup and special teamer than anything else. So I don't know what the answer is. I think Jen- again, I think Jenkins is part of the solution. I am not trying to disparage Jordan Jenkins in any way when I say this. But you need a lot more than Jordan Jenkins. Jordan Jenkins should be a, a role player on a good defense, a role player even within his position on a good defense. He can't be the only thing you have, so glaring need both instances. Now let's talk off-ball linebackers, and I'm going to say glaring need short run, glaring need long run with this caveat. Um, Demario Davis is a free agent, so the Jets re-signed Demario Davis at a decent rate. You're not really going to have a huge problem. It goes to, It goes to a partial need at that point. And even if you don't re-sign Davis, and I know a lot of people want to re-sign Davis, and look, my preference is always to keep a guy you know can play effectively within your system because there's always a certain risk when you bring a guy into a new locker room, new surroundings, new defense. It's always better to have a guy familiar with it if you can make it work. But there's a certain price where Davis doesn't make sense. But even if the Jets let Davis walk, there are just certain positions in this league where you can find a guy who is an effective player at a reasonable cost every year, and that seems to be the off-ball linebacker position in the NFL. It's just one of those spots where every year you see guys signed for deals that are strikingly cheap, and they're good players. So I'm not really that worried about the Davis spot, even if they can't re-sign Davis. And I, my hunch is they'll figure, out, they'll figure something out with Davis. I think the bigger concern is Dave, with Davis is maybe you pay him a little too much. Maybe you go a little too overboard based off an excellent season he had in 2017. But my hunch is they'll figure that one out. I think the bigger issue with the Jets is you're just not getting what you'd want right now out of Darren Lee. And I've heard a lot of people talk about this big imp- the Lee having some big improvement in 2017. And 
I really don't know what that's based on. He has a lot of the same flaws he had as a rookie, whether it's overrunning plays, whether it's just the inability to get off a block. And I understand Lee's strength was never going to be shedding blocks, but he's just really weak at the point of attack. But the thing about Lee is that I would be willing to live with those a lot more if he was better in coverage. And I think to a large extent, that's why the Jets drafted him. I mean, they saw the athleticism. They see, see the direction this league is going, the rise of pass-catching running backs, you know, tight ends who help in the receiving game, athletic guys like that. And I think that's also why they drafted Jamal Adams and Marcus May last year. Is you want guys who are versatile, who can match up against playmakers, playmaking running backs, the playmaking tight ends in the league. And Lee's just bad in coverage at this point he's got to get and part of it's just lack of instincts part of it's he gets fooled on routes part of it he's just he just does not look like a good cover guy at this point and that's what really bothers me is I could live with him not being so great at the point of attack you could find a guy to go with him and Davis was a good was good against the run last year Lee flashes Lee's one of those guys where when he makes a play it stands out but there are also there are too many plays where he just gets wiped out he's not in the mix, he overruns it, he, he can't get off a block. Too many of those for him to be really considered an effective run defender. But what's more troubling, again, is the pass defense because he just really he really struggles in coverage. His numbers in coverage were bad last year, too. One of the worst at the linebacker position in the entire NFL. So I think you look at, you look at off-ball linebacker, I'll put a glaring need both short run and long run just because of the Davis situation. I think it goes to partial need, though, once they address it. I think there's a good uh, good chance they'll address it and move it to partial need in both spots because you have question marks with Lee going forward. And Lee's going to be a starter because he's a first-round pick. The Jets need to try and make this work with him, but you have major questions about him. So even though he's not going to be replaced, I'm still putting it as a partial need, mainly based on Lee. Once they get that situation resolved, either with Davis or signing somebody who can replace Davis, who should be adequate. Now let's move to the cornerback position. And again, this is much like the edge rusher position and much like quarterback. This is a five alarm problem. The glaring need both short run and long run. And again, a very important position on this defense. And on most defenses, it's a premium position. There are a few zone-based defenses where a corner is not quite as prevalent, depending on, and even some zone defenses where it's very important. So just because it's a zone defense does not necessarily eliminate the prominence of the cornerback position. You have to run a very specific type of zone zone scheme where the corner zone is very constricted. It's a very small area, and you can get pretty much anybody to cover an area that small. There are some defense zone defenses where corners have to cover a lot of ground. So... Even So the bottom line is that corner is a premium position in this league in most systems. And in the Jets system, which is a lot of man-to-man, I mean, they do plays, every defense plays a percentage of man-to-man, a percentage of zone. I think Todd Bowles, if it was up to him, would play man-to-man a ton. And he does. And there are a lot of games where he does. And when you play man-to-man, you need guys who can cover. And when you blitz, when you like to blitz the way Todd Bowles does, you need guys who can cover. And the Jets the Jets have nothing at corner. I mean, I, I don't see what they have. We had, we did a show on this recently. There's just nothing there. Morris Claiborne was up and down, up early, down late last year. He's a free agent now. Who knows whether he's going to be able to be retained on a reasonable deal. Even if he can, I'm, you know, you got to have more than Morris. Morris Claiborne cannot be your top corner. 
And he's not reliable. You know, you can't count on him to stay healthy. And he, again, his play is up and down, even when he's on the field. You've got Daryl Roberts, who just, I'm not sure he's a player. Buster Screen, who is still around. The Jets haven't cut him yet, and the Jets should. And I'm starting to feel like it's probably not going to happen. He's not worth the money the Jets are going to pay. He's expensive. He's not worth the money the Jets are going to pay him. Justin Burris, first-round disappointment. The Jets have nothing in the corner. So this is, again, and this is not a small one, like, defensive line or even though I put glaring needed inside uh, off ball linebacker that's just based on the specifics of the current situation this is a big problem cornerback right now for this team and it's something that I think if you want to feel better about it corner actually is a position where there are chances to address it in free agency and there are going to be guys available who, who will be upgrades for the Jets Edge rusher is a different situation because most edge, most really good edge rushers don't make the market. They don't make it to free agency. Corner is a position where the Jets may be able to use some of that cap space to address it. So a little less of a problem, but still not a great situation right now for the Jets. And we'll end on the most positive note of either the offensive or the defensive side of the ball. And I think the one position where I don't see a short-term or a long-term need, there's no need at safety. You drafted two guys last year, and both guys had their ups and downs. Jamal Adams and Marcus May both had good moments and bad moments. In May's situation, there was a pretty clear timeline where that last month of the season, he was bad. He, I mean, there's no way around it. He was very bad in December. But he was very good the first three months of the season. And I'm not sure you can necessarily 100% conclude this, but he may have hit what's known as the rookie wall. And... The college season usually ends late November, early December, and many rookie players see their production fall off at that point because they're not used to a longer season. They're not used to the NFL season. And you, you know football's a very physical game, so you, your body gets a little worn out, and once they're ready for the season to end, some rookies just kind of fall off. And I think there's a chance that I'm not, I don't think that you can necessarily conclude that's 100% the reason May's December was so poor, but there's a chance it was. There's a chance that that was the reason. There's a chance that contributed heavy heavily to it. Adams was more up and down. He was he was he was a little bit more of like the stock market going up and down. There were some very good weeks, some very bad weeks. He ended on a strong note. He had a good week 17 against the Patriots, and he showed you flashes of a guy who could be a difference maker at the safety position. Year two is going to be important for him, but. I think in both instances, May and Adams, you saw a lot to like as rookies relative to what you expect from your typical rookie. I think you saw enough to make you feel like these guys could be long-term players, and I think it's likely they'll both be long-term players. Now, will they reach the Pro Bowl? Will they be all pro? Will they be good starters? I don't know. I think this year will tell us more on that front, but I don't think that safety is a need for the Jets heading into this offseason heading into free agency or the draft. I think you've got two good guys you can work with at the safety position. That'll do it for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it. Options include iTunes and Spotify. And please leave the show a good review in iTunes if you enjoy it. Hope your Monday is great. We will be back again on Tuesday as we roll towards free agency.